welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. We are live on YouTube. This is the Chit Chat Money Investing Power Hour, number 27. Um, For the few people that are joining us in the live stream, but listening on the podcast, we've been doing this every week, uh, basically for most of 2022, I guess starting in the spring. And the only rule of the show is that we have no preparation. However, actually, we have this amendment now because we're going to doing a seven investing segment every show to help promote our sponsor in a fun way that can have some lively discussions on here. And that leads us into our sponsor today. And that is Seven Investing, uh, a research service with different stock picks. And if you want to use our code MONEY, M-O-N-E-Y, you can get $100 off your annual subscription. That is a 25% discount on the annual subscription for life. And what do you get with a subscription, Ryan? You get seven picks every month. This month, um, I got to ask, what were some of the favorite topics, or not topics, stocks that they recommended from all the advisors? They got some research reports on different ones without spoiling, obviously, what the picks are, because that's what you're paying for. Uh, what ones interested I you? liked, well, I liked Matt's, but I feel like we say that every time, I th- think... His, st- his style. We're in the same sort of style group. Yeah. Yeah. There were three actually that I really liked. Um, Let me guess that healthcare well, one, the healthcare one. I know you like the healthcare one. Yeah. We can't tease it too much, but yeah, well, Dana's, health- Dana's was ex- really good. Um, well, I should say really good. Time will tell if it's really good, but it's, I, I inter- really, it's, it's interesting. Good. Right. Definitely interests me. It's something I put, like, have kept up on. It's not like it's in the healthcare industry, but not un, not incomprehensible. Like I feel like I can get a grasp on the business. And then um, I also like Christoph's. Christoph's. Okay. Let me see what one did he have without spilling. Um, oh yes. That is interesting. A little sophomore one payments. Uh, probably can't say anything more about that, but that is the tease. We won't talk about it for too much longer, but use code money. They are exclusive sponsor for the rest of 22. We love them over at 7investing. Use code MONEY. Get $100 off your annual subscription for life. All right, Ryan, what are we talking about this week? I got some uh, stuff. There's plenty of news, yeah, that I remember we have. We're going to talk Poshmark later, getting acquired. That's a fun. That's going to be a fun topic. But True. we got the Jewel bankruptcy. I mean, we got the big elephant in the room, which is the Twitter deal closing. Should we start with that? We don't want to talk about it forever, but maybe hit on it for a couple minutes. No, I want to start somewhere else. So, okay. uh, all right. All right. We, you and I, and all the investors in Arch Capital are shareholders of Match Group. There was a new dating app launched this week called The Right Stuff. Not a Match Group product, but it's meant for conservative, conservative dating. I think they right right wing maybe I think they were doing too yeah something like that not conservative yeah. in, conservative in the political sense yes that's who it's like meant to be catered towards um, 
couple of things. I, I, uh, I'm not like, I could care less about the, the political side of it, but I wanted to see what the product was like. So I, I, I downloaded it and I mm-hmm, tried right. to sign up. No, I swear to God, <laughs> okay, this is, I, it's due diligence, right? It is, you know, this is like my, uh, I have to assess the competition for match group. That's one way to do it. And there are so many flaws that they got wrong. Mm, all right. Name them. Number Here one, you've gone after a demographic. First of all, females on the platform first. That's the number one priority. That's the hardest it should thing. be for most data. It's the hardest thing to do. And the females will attract the male users. Bumble yeah, did the, it really well. You don't have to. Uh, yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to even market to the male users. They will come build it. You build it. They will come. Exactly. hundred percent. And th- they are not doing that. Um, whether I'm sure there are plenty of conservative women out there, but just about all the users apparently happen to be male. And that's one of the big problems in all the reviews that I'm reading. They say, all right, I'm on here, but there's no women in my area. Um, I went to check just to, just to see if like there's any users in general and there's tons of men. Yeah. And that's so I know. you've got a problem there. Um, so that's, that's problem there. Second of all, it's invite only. That's you can't have that either, unless you're that um, well, what's it, Raya or whatever? Unless you're that one, which is like celebrities only or, or famous people only. You can't have that unless it's for people that are quote unquote, whatever, famous, right? And there's basically a couple of ways you can get an invite. It says, "Give us access to your contacts, and we will see if any of them are already users." The last thing I want my contacts to know is I'm joining some conservative dating site. This is... It's Relationship George. I don't want someone to know that I'm on Tinder or Hinge or Bumble. I'd I'd rather keep that fairly discreet. It's not something people are like outward about generally. The last thing... Now, if I'm like doing it even in a more niche product, you think I want all my contacts to see that I'm looking for an invite to this thing? (laughs) Absolutely not. And... I mean, I don't, uh, I don't want to be clamoring for an invite to some conservative dating site, no matter what, even if your friend group is all conservatives, it's like just this act of desperation. So there's. So you're saying just, you would short, you would short this if you could, if it's possible. It's Maybe it's, it's, there's a way that they can like, just like brute force their way to scale. But they've, They've messed up on several accounts already. The context thing is so crucial. You don't want any. It's it's again. It's literally we wrote a, a write up on them earlier this year, and the title was "Relationship George," which is from that Seinfeld one where it's like you have the relationship side of your life and you have the uh, uh, whatever social side of your life. That is still the same thing in, in online. You need separation between your online relationship or romantic life, however you want to describe it, and your social one. It should be complete. There should be no or minimal, absolutely minimal crossover. Try to minimize that. We had a comment here from Matt. says, talk about how stupid Elon Musk is. I think we might for a second, uh, but that has been covered constantly throughout the news, so we don't want to do talk about the same thing that everybody at the show is talking about. However, Congrats, I think, are in order for the Twitter arbitrage investors. They were really nailed it. Probably annualized returns of about 
100% within a couple of months. I mean, really, really strong. Um, yeah. the glad to, glad to see some good investors do that. I'll just hit on it right now because I saw like a fairly hilarious meme. It was basically Elon's face on Trump's Art of the Deal book. Mm. So they like replaced Trump's face with Elon's face and it says Musk, the Art of the Deal. And then quotes, it's got make an offer out of spite, back out of the deal, get sued, publicly denigrate the thing you offered to buy, get your ass handed to you in court, agree to the original deal, act like this was your plan all along. Yeah. I worry though. It's not done. It's not a done deal. He is, he's slippery. He is extremely slippery. And I could see him still somehow wiggling his way out of this, but, uh, did you see the, uh, that he avoided going to court out of concern of getting COVID? Yes. Mr. Open the factories in May, 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's a, uh, surprise that even worked anymore. I think it's you're, it's kind of like one of those rules where you, if someone like the health stuff is pretty black and white, if you get what I mean, where someone makes a case, they have to, um, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I use that just, excuse. It's funny. We've all used that excuse when there's something we don't want to go to over the last two years in almost the same. Oh, uh, I just tell people I don't want to go, <laughs> I, well, but I, maybe I have less, uh, uh, it's called saving face. Yeah, I, I'm not a big uh, saving face guy, maybe to my detriment. All right, we got a question here. What are your favorite podcasts to listen to? Well, let's keep it investing. Uh, for one, ourselves, obviously, if you're watching this right now and you don't. Do you actually listen, listen to, to us that often? No, no, I don't listen to us, but I'm just saying. <laughs> we, well, you know, he's we asking take... what are our favorites. Mm, let me scroll through. Let me scroll through the... Let's see what I got downloaded here. I mean, what do you listen to? I like, I've been listening to some of those founders ones now that they're free after the invest like the best team acquired them. I I like invest like the best, like everyone else. I like odd lots from Bloomberg. They hit some interesting topics from time to time. Sometimes it's more market structure stuff that I'm not too interested in, but they have some cool stuff on commodities and like the real estate market, stuff like that. Uh, Motley Fool Money is always solid if there's a topic you want to get kind of a 10 minutes on. I mean, Business Brew is good for some long form interviews on uh, with investors that might be a bit you know different than typical interviews. And then I like Value After Hours too, which is basically a show that we are not copying, but we saw that we like that show a lot and we are doing a similar thing with this. Um, so I like that one a lot. If you like the power hour format, I would highly recommend listening to that one as well. I think they do it on Tuesdays. Um, so another day of the week that you can do something like this. Here's a couple for me. I like the yet another value podcast. That's good too. It's kind of a similar format to what we have with the deep dives. Um, I like the business brew. I'm not like a completely regular listener, but depending on the on the guest, I'll listen. Um, they're just yeah. longer. So you kind of have to have more time for those. And then. Yeah. Um, it's definitely like the Rogan style, but the niche for investors. I listen to the Wall Street Journal podcast a lot just to kind of oh, get the, updates. Someone, the one, the one with the orange thing on it. The orange logo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the that one, one that's done by Gimlet Media. That's a good one. Yeah. That is a good one. The other thing, someone put together a, uh, a list of 
buy side gems, basically a list of different shows. So it's like a playlist of podcasts. No, we don't listen to the all in podcasts. Sorry. I did not listen to skim off. Yeah. Scam we don't, we, uh, uh, no, uh, yeah, <laughs> I can't, I, I'm not, I don't like to be a supporter of skim off and, um, David Sachs and all those guys can't say I want to support them. I actually don't have like the biggest problem with Jason Kalakness. Yeah. I can't He's stand what, the rest of those guys. I agree. Kalakness gets way too much. So, it's going to uh, be uh this is going to be, we, we can't turn this into a podcast. We don't like show. So I'm going to, but, but no, I don't listen to that very often. Um, the other one is capital allocators with Ted Seides. He tends to have some good ones. Also, if you can, um, there isn't a whole lot of these, but value investing with legends is pretty good. All right. That's a, that's a solid one. I think that's a lot of, a lot of choices there. Um, okay. New topic. And now this one, I think, cause we've looked at some of these companies before this is from Thunderdome capital. Uh, and it's more of a rhetorical question. Is there any worse capital cycle developing than the one for electric autos and electric auto batteries where basically there's this huge demand that's coming, right? It's staring everyone in the face potentially with the projections people have. But in order to get that, there has to be a ton of capital investment. And then once that happens, it just... There's so much money flowing into space, if you kind of get what I mean. And you can see that almost every large company is saying, we're investing tens of billions of dollars into it. And it's so hard to build up an you know, electric vehicle company uh, because of just how capital intensive it is. And once that cycle rolls over, as it does with basically all capital intensive industries uh, with minimal moats, it just... Does it feel like it's just staring us in the face? Like that that rollover. I'm kind of distracted. Maybe I'm describing it poorly, but kind of that rollover of the capital cycle. Yeah. I mean, you may or you maybe described it in sort of a complicated way, but basically are you saying the when uh, basically the money's gonna flow out of it now and demand's hitting sort of highs no no, no not, about it? not not consumer demand but the 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 tens of probably hundreds of billions of dollars that are flowing through from all the different companies into building up their battery capacity or electric vehicle manufacturing capacity they're seeing the demand out there but since there's just going to be this flood of supply it just it's like it's staring us in the face that there's going to be this consumer surplus and that's going to be bad for the um, companies. Now, whether that's staring, what time frame is that? I don't know, but I'm pretty confident that's going to happen because if you look historically, it happens. Like, why would this time be different? I I just don't know. Yeah, like it's not just it's a bold it, thing to say because that has some interesting implications. First of all. That means used cars, used car prices are going to plummet. Well, I think that's disconnect. I mean, this is more multi-year. I think maybe used cars prices is more multi-year, but but if you're saying because the way I think about it is basically the EV production, and I believe this is essentially how the companies have stated it, is going to replace a lot of the ICE production, like the the vehicles they're actually producing might not rise that much 
but it's right. going to replace some of the, the the ice vehicles that they would have produced. But it so, seems like there's they're going to produce too much, too quickly, or maybe too, too much quickly. cars in general. No, too much, too quickly. Like, I mean, we, we think look, think of all the announcements from these companies. I don't know. I don't know about that. You've still got big waiting lists. Like when you go to these dealers, my my dad was looking at buying an EV recently too. You're still you're still waiting on a pretty big waiting list. But I think look, they're going to have some visibility into that as those waiting lists mm-hmm. compress. Yeah, but and it isn't. I don't know. It's not an oil producer like you don't you you think they're going to cut back production well here's the thing here's just the big here's the big concern you got all these commitments right to build all this manufacturing capacity globally there's a ton of capex that goes into that and you need a certain letter full of factory output to make that factory each individual factory profitable if everyone overdoes it in general that screws everyone too much capital flowing in. No matter what the end demand is. I mean, yeah, look, it's hard to get an electric vehicle right now, but that actually can make things worse because then they might overdo it. There could be a big bullwhip effect on top of this. And I think the COVID disruptions could make it even worse. Yeah, um, but what if you've got EV production as a percentage of overall automotive production? It's like, what, 5% right now? Less? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, I don't have the exact numbers, but sure, you're probably in the right ballpark. I would say if you're picking today, like let's say prices were equal and you're a consumer, 70% of consumers would probably go EVs, right? Mm, I disagree that, from anecdotes, but maybe a little lower, but still fairly high. I think you still have plenty of room to increase supply across the board. Yeah, but that I I think we're talking you're talking we're talking through each other because I do agree. I just think that it's pretty clear they're going to do too much because of all the just so much money is getting. Like, think about all the commitments that these companies are making. What if they can't? What if they literally can't? They don't have. They literally chance? can't. Oh well, then that's a different question. Maybe that maybe that saves it, but it just. That uh, the, uh, the capital—I don't know the exact term—but the capital cycle theory, or um, just any, like all, all these all these new industries, it's uh, throughout history the same exact thing has happened, and it feels like it's about to happen with electric vehicles. Not like about to happen like this quarter, but about to happen over a multi-year period. I mean, I think the best near-term historical analogy is telecom uh, infrastructure. In the late 90s, early 2000s, I think that is extremely similar. Everyone is like, wow, you know, we need this internet infrastructure. We need to invest as much money as possible because there's just an endless opportunity. Turns out it was not infinite. I think that same thing. That's what I'd be worried about if looking at the electric vehicle space right now. Okay. <laughs> excluding, excluding the valuations, which are still surprisingly. We'll see how it plays out. Surprisingly we'll see how it plays high. out. I would not be buying any automotive producers right now, probably. Um, sorry if you own any. We got, we got a Matt H saying, you mean to tell me QuantumScape isn't going to be at $1,000 in five years? That is what my DCF says. I can guarantee, I know he's being Could be. facetious stock there. Split. <laughs> well, yeah, you're right. All right. 
This episode is brought to you by ourselves. If you're hearing this now, we know you're a Chit Chat Money listener, but if you want to get more than just our free episodes, you can become a Chit Chat Money Plus subscriber. Within the subscription, members get access to our weekly not-so-deep dive episodes, our monthly episodes detailing one of the holdings in our investment fund, Arch Capital, and then they also get written work, so newsletters and research files to go along with each not-so-deep dive episode. Am I missing anything? We should talk about the themes that we do each month. So each month we choose a theme based on whatever we want. So last month we did video games. This month we're doing housing. Next month we're doing engineering software, I believe. And then the following month we're doing website and e-commerce software. We choose those because it's you know a great way to investigate a different industry. And if you want to subscribe to CCM Plus, go directly through Apple Podcasts or Spotify or through the link that will be in each one of our show notes. It is only $5 a month. You heard that right. $5 a month. Perfect to try out. If you like what we have to offer, we hope you'll subscribe. So Stan Deep says businesses like Match and Spotify seem to already have significant sale, but are not achieving gap profitability. I don't think it's accurate for Match Group, but... um, I well, recent, re, recent quarter looks back as of a write down, but I mean, yeah, look at historically. Yeah, I would say over its lifetime as a public company, it's generally got profitable. Um, hard to bet that they're ever going to achieve 20% plus gap operating margin or gap uh, margins, whatever you want to choose, EBIT margins. Um, I would say you're well, right for Spotify. It seems unlikely that they will ever achieve that. Um, but that doesn't matter. So what? No, Amazon. it doesn't. It, yeah. I mean, it has no. It doesn't change. The, I, I still think it's a good investment from here. Granted, we own it, so keep that in mind. We got to, you know, full disclosure. Talk, we're talking our book. Um, it can still be. You can still generate good returns without reaching more than twenty percent margins. Match Group will. I, I can. I say that with a, a whole lot of. Yeah, it's like, hard. Their historical track sense record of surety. Is, I was just writing something on them, so I know their numbers uh from 2017 to 2021 they grew t- revenue by 22 percent a year so investing for growth and at the same time their adjusted operating margin which correlates is just a slightly different than gap um so their gap was just slightly lower than this was above 35 percent every year so they're investing for growth and a lot of their apps aren't po- you know weren't being monetized yet say like hinge and they're still at 35% margins. Um, that translates fairly if it translates fairly well into free cash flow too. I really this might sound to some people, um, I don't know what it would sound like, but like you might disagree with me. I don't care about gap. How yeah. much cash is I don't care about gap net income. How much that's cash is how much cash is it gonna generate? That's what I that's that's what I like to focus on because gap net income can look wonky. Um, yeah, free cash flow can also look wonky sometimes. Um, but I'd rather start at the cash flow and then make any sort of adjustments that are either making the business look better or worse at that one time period and go from there because what the value of the business is the cash it generates, not the gap net income. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that as well, Sandeep. If uh, I, I think uh, focusing on cash, cash flow margins, probably a better uh, proxy for the earnings power of the business, I guess, for both of those companies. Um, and I do think Match will continue to have around 30% or higher 
cash flow margins, depending on if anything ever happens with the app store fees. Um, but hopefully, hopefully that answers the question a little bit. Um, do you want to talk a little bit more about the Twitter deal or no? Uh, it's really outside of our expertise, if we have any. What do you and mean? Like, not like the yeah, exactly. Uh, it. I think this is the outcome as the non-lawyers that we were thinking was going to happen, where he would either through the trial or through a settlement would have to pay just because the evidence was really, really damning that Musk could get out of this deal. So not really surprised. However, it's it's comforting uh, to think that the legal system works. Exactly. I think that was the biggest takeaway as someone who had no skin in the game here. I have a little bit of a theory. And it's, this might prove to be wrong, but you've got somebody who's made his intentions pretty clear on what he wants to do with the platform. I think he, we're, well, we're accelerating. It's an accelerant to, to X, well, whatever, whatever the hell he was talking about. Accelerant no. to X, the everything app, right? Ignore that. Ignore that. It's not going to, that won't. <laughs> You're saying matter. that <laughs> he, okay. He wants to be a little more lenient with free speech on the platform. Right. That was the number one thing. Yeah. Um, regardless of what you think of that, the I think there's going to be a disconnect between how the employees like the business and how Elon wants the business. The current ones, at least. Yeah. yeah. Additionally, I don't think a lot of them were a big fan of this process. He's made it very clear that he wants to fire people. I've got a feeling they, the turnover is going to be somewhere around 70 or 80% on the employee base at Twitter. Is that good or bad though for the business? So either one of, uh, I think a couple of things can happen. They'll learn just how lean these businesses can be run, how little employees it actually takes, or um, the investing community will learn how much employees it actually does take to run a business like this properly. And the platform will begin to struggle due to all this turnover, due to yeah. not being able to keep up with any changes as effectively as they should. Yeah, it's in, yeah, it's interesting. We're not going to know though, unless they because it's going to be private, right? I guess they'll share. Well, they'll probably share stuff if it's going well, because then they'll want to brag. You know, you know, well, we'll know if the platform's beginning to suck via our experience. Well, isn't that all? Isn't that already what happens? I don't know. Does it take more to maintain just the business staying up? That's true. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, like, it, it could get way worse. Is the security? It, I'm I'm curious. Like, could the platform come down? Could it like stop functioning? Yeah, without I don't the employees. Know. I don't know. I don't know. I knew I knew someone that I think he left, but I knew someone that works in their database sec segment. Said it's a really tough lot of just it's like uh just so much data to manage. Um but yeah, I guess it could get worse. I hope it doesn't collapse. But maybe I should delete all my Tesla Q bearish tweets just in case. <laughs> just in case he goes a little less free speech. The worst right. part about this is that the Ukraine takes he got completely ratioed for, like one of the 
like a brutal ratio. Yeah. You always got to think, why was he doing that? There's always an ulterior motive with Elon Musk. Why was he doing the Ukraine thing? I can't figure it out yet. Well, no, it's eventually because it's always, he's always got a motive for his tweets, right? I saw some. I saw some that potentially they, he doesn't get the financial commitment from the banking partners that he initially had. He has to go to Russia for financial backing. Mm, and then like the oligarchs the government, or something. Yeah. The government says, we're not going to let that happen. And then he says, well, then I'm not going to buy the business. Uh, if that's you're going to shut of, it down, I don't have to buy it. That's a lot of, it's a lot of variables there. Yeah, I know. That's, I mean, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised, but that, that, that's slightly far-fetched, but in the Musk world, I would not be surprised. All right. New topic uh, from TikTok investors. TikTokers, now are you, um, this is my, this is the pitch are taking their Discord account public. Now, let me read the definition here and see if you are interested in buying this company. Asset Entities is a technology company providing social media marketing and content delivery services across Discord, TikTok, and other social media platforms. We also design, develop, and manage servers for communities on Discord. Now, this this is definitely a legitimate public company, right? Like, this is something that's not just a small business that needs a... You know, certainly. It, 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 there's, there's, they're, they're taking this public because it needs more capital, right? That, that's the reason they want to access the public markets. Not, not trying to dump any shares on unsuspecting Discord members, right? No, that would never happen. And then they announce that our stock's the most cheap and then pump their own. Yeah. No, it's, I have, it's, uh, it's a closed ecosystem. Yeah. Here's what I saw. I saw, I was doing, I don't know where I saw this this week, but there was, a company called Pagaya Technologies. You may have heard of it. Kind of a poor man's upstart, a lot smaller. It is down in the last three months, or last month, excuse me, 86% because they, okay, so they had about 650 million shares outstanding, something like that, right? Um, or no, I think fully diluted. It, it was a SPAC, so warrants were weird. I think it was closer to seven to 800 million, but they announced in September that they were doing a $50 million stock offering. And this is right when the lock-in period is about to end. So they have 50 million, not, sorry, not dollar, 50 million share stock offering. And on top of that, they were unlocking 650 million of the insider shares to sell. 650 million were in the, you know, they were raising money through that, but they were doing stock offering for their And Lo and behold, the stock collapsed 86%. That has got to be... I mean, you see that and you just, how can you touch SPACs? How can you touch recent IPOs? It just seems so dangerous that you don't know when you're dealing with a malicious um, executive team. Yeah. It's, I kind of, I've never ended up, I've never purchased a SPAC. And there have been times where I've been like mentally bought in on the business and I kind of, I think everyone's gone through this, this like mental process of, okay, all other investors are discarding SPACs because generally the average SPAC is trash out to uh, make a quick buck. The So maybe I'll find the diamond in the rough. You think you found the diamond in the rough and then lo and behold, it, it's it's more of the, the rough than the diamond. And it for me, like I just don't think I'm smart enough 
or yeah. I'm, I'm guarding against my own mistake that I'm going to make. And, and I'm just saying like discard them all. Yeah. The, I don't know. I feel like there needs to be, even though it's, it's weird to have arbitrary or just weird arbitrary rules as an investor. I feel like it's almost always better to just wait a full year for a stock to be public. If it is such a promising business, waiting a full year to get some audited financials is not going to crush your long-term returns. I just feel like that, you know, that's just the, it's just going to save you more than it's going to hurt you. I agree. All right. A couple of other things. First of all, the Jim Cramer inverse ETF is officially public. All right. If you saw this fade that stuff, that's tired. That's those are tired jokes. (laughs) But it's actually, uh, you can invest in the ETF now. Yeah, that it, I want to know how it's going to do. I these though here here's the thing about those ETF strategies that have these weird unique things. Um, they usually, if you look at the, what they're actually doing with the rebounds thing, it doesn't make much sense. Now maybe this makes a lot of sense, but I kind of doubt how they're going to be like, oh, Kramer talked about or tweeted about something, and we're going to short it like or buy it like for what time period, for how long? I I, I don't know. I mean, their well, back test. Their back test has got to be strong, but <laughs> he's got the uh, his premium service or whatever that maybe. Oh, oh! But gotcha. he said, uh, "This is from Eric Balchunas. He says new filing for a wait for it inverse Kramer ETF ticker is SJIM, um, and it's Tuttle Capital Management. Not really sure who they are." It says SJIM will be a long short strategy, basically taking the opposite position to Kramer's publicly announced positions on Twitter or CNBC. We actually wrote back in February about how an inverse Kramer ETF would likely be filed at some point. Given some of the stuff that has been tried with ETFs, this isn't big. This isn't a big stretch, and ETFs tied to big personalities not unprecedented. It's just, yeah. I mean, I hope they do fine, um, but. That just if you saw this in someone's 13F, what would you think? Um, I would never give them money. <laughs> Is it investable? What are the now? Come on, not. I mean, like a like you know, in your fun in your fun basket. If you really hate Kramer, look, I, I get that people think he's not. He's just a little bit overhyped, but I don't really get the malice. If you know what I mean, like. Okay, he's just not that good. That's fine. But I, I, I maybe if he screwed you over, like you know, uh, some way. I, That's on I, you. Yeah. That's on you more than on him. But he has been like impressively bad recently. Yeah, like I mean, crazy, look, crazy he, luck to be as bad as he has been in the last the, year. Here's the thing, though. With everyone, if you put all of your stuff public, right? Then people can hone on, hone in on the stuff that I, I'm not defending Kramer as a great investor, but if you're even in the best investors are going to be wrong, what a lot of the time. So especially on the internet, you can just focus on what they did bad, and then just people forget about the good stuff. And I just don't think it's, it's probably not as bad as it looks, just because you can cherry pick. I mean, uh, yeah, no, he's. He's a hell of an entertainer. Yeah. Which he's fairly captivating. Like I see something with him and it's kind of like, he's got energy. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. He's got energy. 
I just don't. What's this fee on this thing? Did you see? They might not have it. I'm afraid it's got like, I'm afraid it's like one and a half percent. Yeah. Something like that. Something wild. Um, Still not going to cover a couple of other, couple of other uh, news items that I think are worth talking about. It's actually been a pretty busy week. First of all, uh, Carvana is named the title sponsor of the professional pickleball association and multi-year partnership. Is this going to save the company? Yeah, I think that's the advertisements they need. I get a lot of Carvana ads. I'm telling you guys right now, Carvana, if you're listening, I'm not. It's not. It's not happening. Um, I'm not going to be a customer. But yeah, that company is. Are they screwed? Or are they screwed? I mean, that they're in such a tight spot. Yeah, there is. Oh, we should talk about the uh, Poshmark deal. You want to do that now? Let's see. Yeah. If it, this can be our seven investing segment. We have a little combo here. Remember, we talked about at the beginning of the show. Uh, we're going to be highlighting our sponsor, Seven Investing a lot. Use code MONEY, M-O-N-E-Y, uh, to get $100 off your annual subscription every year for life. That's 25% discount. Help us out. Get a discount and sign up for a great service. They had... Uh, we're not going to spoil what the pick is. Um, they had one of their picks. Uh, a let's say healthcare company don't want to spoil it too much and it was entering into a take private offer from an investment firm um and they had a i guess just kind of highlights part of their service as well where when something happens they're going to keep you updated if there's anything relevant that happens and since this take private deal was gone through they officially gave it a sell rating so for any investors you know they're going to help you through if you're if you're someone that wants that um but right on a wider note, excuse me, we're seeing a lot of companies getting taken out at big discounts to where they're trading at a year and a half ago. Poshmark was a huge example this week. Um, went public at like a hundred. It was trading at like a hundred dollars a share at its peak. Got collapsed down ninety percent, down to ten dollars, and now it got uh, a take private bid at seventeen dollars and ninety cents this week from a South Korean company, which is kind of a surprise. What do you think about these? Here's kind of the issue I have, like what makes me nervous about these bombed out growth stocks that might have flimsy-ish business models or you know they're not doing so well, is you could have made a uh, thesis that Poshmark was a value stock and maybe $25 a share, right? With all the net cash they had in the balance sheet. You also could have made an even better case at $10 a share, but you don't know if the management is going to take that buyout offer that's going to screw you or really help you. I think there's just a lot of, it's kind of a coin flip risk maybe on that. Um, I think it takes weight off their shoulders is what happened here. Well, uh, apparently the business yeah is not doing as well as they claim. I think something is going wrong because that was a huge discount to what people were, the IPO. Yeah. I mean, it's like what 80% discount to where they, issued shares maybe 60 i think i can't remember if it ran up after the issuance but it was at a hundred dollars a share and yeah it went public at the peak of the bubble in february 2021 but you know it's a bummer we looked at this pretty pretty thoroughly at ten dollars and i had a hard time determining whether or not this was just a really shitty business or deep value or both (laughs) yeah it was both it had like six dollars in cash. Yeah, uh, yeah. It had six dollars per share in cash. I mean, it was a huge part of what you were buying at the time was just pure cash. 
yeah, what's interesting is the stuff that we haven't bought <laughs> uh, this year, but like I've said, uh, let's just wait, keep it on the watch list, has gone up like 100% in three or four months. Now, that's not the type of time horizon we like, but um, it is unfortunate. Uh, yeah, it's a bummer. Um, yeah, multiple I don't know. Times if you're a Poshmark shareholder, let's say you're a Poshmark shareholder and your average cost basis was $17. Are you happy here? I think you are neutral and thankful because if you bought at $17 and your thesis wasn't to get a buyout, which maybe it was and maybe you're slightly upset, your thesis was this is a business that can is sustainable, then you're thankful because management team is telling you that you were wrong. What do you think about owning it after these things are announced? For the ARB or what? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will I, leave that up to the quants. And I know it's situational, but there's been a lot of money made. I feel like through mar- merger ARB this year. Yeah. I mean, the Twitter one, that's. I think Activision will probably go through if I had to bet. Uh, yeah. I don't know why both those gaps were so large. Well, the Twitter one, we kind of understand so the, the Musk craziness, but. For arbitrage, I feel nervous looking at that type of stuff because I know there's people with way better legal expertise that are at giant funds um, that have way more experience with that type of stuff. And I just feel like a total minnow if I'm ever... Does it matter though? If you... (sighs) Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah. Well... I don't know. Kind of underwhelming for Poshmark. I thought this could have been sold for more. It felt to me like management didn't want to be public anymore. They went through just such a rough year that they're like, all right, just I don't want to have to keep filing. I don't want to have to take criticism from analysts. Let's just keep, let's just go private and we'll take the first offer we get. Yeah, it's founder led to kind of weird. He never Um, bought back shares with 60% of the market cap in cash, which is frustrating. Yeah, it's a red flag for sure. Um, uh, the the other is, thing that I wanted to mention, uh, Jewel. Official bankruptcy or rumored, right? Rumored bankruptcy. Yeah, it says Jewel Labs said to prepare to, for potential Chapter 11 filing. What are your thoughts? Officially, one of the worst acquisitions or worst investments in history was Altria's $12.8 billion investment like five years ago. Um. Yeah, it turns out doing Instagram ads to minors, uh, for addict on addictive products, will lead you to some hefty legal bills. Um, you know what would have solved this whole problem? No. If they changed their name, they could have changed their name and avoided all this. I yeah, think they could have avoided all the regulatory scrutiny because everything got targeted at Juuling. They're like, yeah, exactly. oh, Jewel. Uh, you know, everyone Maybe. thought Juul. Vaping was jeweling. There's Vaping's, all these ripoffs yeah. that are well, don't seem to be getting any scrutiny. These disposable ones. They're as popular. Which as are ever. probably worse. Uh, most like if Jewel just changed to like vapor. Well, they needed to take a um, a clue from their investors, Altria Group, where they just named themselves some random name that some MBAs came up with to get away from the cigarette company name. Yeah, 100%. Altria. Altria. What a beautiful name. No one has any idea what it means. 
Well, shame on Altria, I guess. Bit of a FOMO investment. That was, yeah, they invested at the peak. I saw someone describe it as life insurance. No. I don't know if I'd buy that. All right. They're likely an Altria investor coping. I'm sorry. Yeah. You have to have, look, we saw, well, what's an example? Spotify spent $50 million on that live audio one. Luckily, it wasn't larger and they didn't buy Clubhouse for a few billion. But you got, if you're going to trust a management team, you got to trust that they're going to be rational even in the face of some short term competitive FOMO. Yeah. Like Jewel, that Jewel peak is very similar to what that social audio thing was. It just was a super big trend that you could kind of feel like, all right, this is there durability here? Maybe, but let's see. Um, And it was one of those things that just went viral. Yeah. Peloton's firing people. Oh, sorry. No, no, go new topic. Peloton's firing people. That's, uh, isn't this every week at this point? Yeah. I feel like I've read that headline a couple of times so far this month. They are uh, screwed. I'm sorry to say. I've said this like three times this show, but they are, they're screwed. I mean, who's, who's, who's buying a Peloton? Talk about used Peloton. Talk about used. We're talking about the electric vehicle capital cycle. Talk about the Peloton capital cycle. Those used ones are going to go be going for a few hundred bucks here shortly. I mean, no one's buying a new, who's buying a new hardware right now? Absolutely no one. Someone said, okay, so this is what was sent out to the staff said in quotes here's a here's a quote that alex morris posted i know many of you will feel angry frustrated and emotionally drained by today's news but please know this is a necessary step if we are going to save peloton and we are but without you right (laughs) that's what it's always like they always talk about how we're the there's no good way to fire people well just yeah i I just don't do it publicly like i think we talked about that recently right like it seems like it's the only it's so worse hard, if you but, try to hide it. Well, like not I mean, don't hide it from your employees, but don't just announce it on Twitter. Yeah, there's nothing worse than that. I mean, yeah, tell your employees, you know. But, but yeah. All right, here's a good topic that people seem to like. Um I was doing trying to come up with and this is because we had the show on NVR trying to come up with my Mount Rushmore Sherry purchasers. Uh, I had one AutoZone. They're kind of a legendary one, best one out there, at least recently. I know there's Teledyne, but I'm kind of doing ones that are, you know, the last 20, 30 years. Uh, two NVR. We just did a show on them. Uh, just a shadow. We did them on Tuesday for the CCM Plus show, the premium show. And then three, I had Swedish Match, which I guess RIP, it's going to be over, but. They reduced their share count by like 70%. Then I asked who should be the fourth. Didn't really get a good answer for the current one. Because people would say like Apple. It's like, no, they, I mean, yes, they have been a good repurchaser, but it hasn't, it's not nearly as good as these companies. Here was my candidates, my three candidates that could take the spot potentially, but they're not there yet. They could take it 10 years from now. As someone, they have a good track record, but it's only been like five, 10 years. One, Texas Instruments. Two, Sprouts Farmers Market, and three, Ally Financial. All seem to have really, really strong buyback programs. Do you have any that can make this list for you that you're thinking of? Um, Any thoughts? Could be future ones. Those are either or, future or current. 
Uh, I'm sure you can just look at yeah. Ally, I think could be one. We got to do cherry purchases. We you know we're discluding a you know Bed Bath and Beyonds that these are ones that you know were really sustainable cherry purchases. If you get what I mean. Yeah, I think Ally could be one. Yeah. Although they. I think being a bank, I was looking through this, being a bank holding company or whatever, there's certain capital ratios that they have to maintain. So it may limit their ability to be like overly opportunistic with their buyback. Um, but I don't know. What are some of the recent ones we've looked at? Dropbox could reduce their share count by like 8% a year at the current pace. Yeah, but they're, I mean, that's only been a couple of years. I'm tired. Lowe's is being pretty aggressive with it. How long? Let me look up Lowe's. The thing is, they have two. They're they're like twenty times free cash flow, so they can only do so much. You have to have a cheap valuation to make it happen. So you kind of have to be hated in order to be really or forgotten about for forever. Yeah. Let's see. Last twenty years. Okay, 2010, say after the GFC ended, they Lowe's was at about 1.5 million and now they're at shares outstanding or 1.5 billion shares outstanding and now they're at about 620 million. Yeah, they, they could be they could be there. It's not bad. Yeah, Lowe's has taken on a lot of debt in the process though. Really? How much? What's the ratio? Yeah, Lowe's has shrunk share count by about 44% over the last 10 years. I mean, even higher. If you go back, they were pretty aggressive coming out of the GFC. Yeah. I think they've got like $30 billion in net debt on a $120 billion market cap. Not too crazy. Well, they generate well, well, like, what's their they cash generate flow? like $8 billion a year, I think. Maybe seven. Yeah, it's still pretty high. Still pretty high. Pretty high ratio. Charter does this, did the same thing. But they just, they just got $5 billion in new debt. And most of it is like 5% with 30-year maturities or longer. Yeah. I guess that still isn't that expensive if you're a very profitable company. Here's the thing, though. You, you, there's just If you're going to be a levered buyback company, you just have a little bit of interest rate risk. And I, I, I would just prefer someone that doesn't do that over one that has to. Here's a good one is uh, talking about RH, a guy like Friedman, who's the CEO of RH. Um, huge cojones, I guess, give this child friendly, who has no fear at swinging at buybacks when he views the stock as undervalued, buying back 50% in 2017. Yeah, I mean, that's a great, he had a very high conviction on his own business. They took out some cheap convertibles, I believe, bought back 50%. Yeah, they're getting some dilution on the back end here, but I like that. They're kind of going after it again. I do like, yeah, I do like that strategy, but man, you have to believe in the business. If you're and you got to believe in the guy that's picking yeah. when to when to do these. Yeah, that was probably the most. I mean, that's gutsy. It was buyback I've ever seen, like in a short time frame. I just worry that we have a, when that happens. There's a, builds we, confidence we, that they can do it again. <laughs> It's not as replicable across other companies. I, it's so boring, but I just love a company, a stock that stays uh, cheap forever and consistently buy back, buys back. AutoZone, 
NVR. Rest, rest in peace, Swedish match. Swedish match. Um, we really I had it all. They took it from us. Look what they took from us. I know the Swedish match. Well, maybe no one's voting for the shares. Maybe it'll come back public. Um, yeah. And look, they're thinking, yeah, Matt here, thank you for the comment again, said that Friedman roasted the shorts. Yes, there's also the short thing. There's a lot of RH was heavily shorted. I mean, it's kind of that can add a lot of uncertainty as well. Their risk reward might be good depending on what price you're paying, but the consistent repurchaser that's just in a durable industry is so much safer, right? We got a question uh, about uh, basically the cannabis business. Well, it's a comment that says, what do you think of Biden pardoning everyone's sins for weed possession? Weed stocks are soaring right now. First I off, yeah. I think that's don't have a lot of thoughts on it, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I mean, the first thought, I mean, that's great. And why should someone be in jail? I mean, it's pretty logical why someone should be in jail for weed, if it's especially if it's illegal. Uh, second one, weed stocks soaring. Yeah, those are trading sardines a lot of the time. It's pretty unclear. We looked at a couple of companies. It's very unclear what, who's going to, where the profits are going to go in that industry. And it's so early. Why don't, why not just wait five years until you can find that, you know, one that makes more sense that you has a tracker? Because right now it's kind of, it seems like it's what? still so in- uncertain. It's so early. It's also those businesses are still structurally disadvantaged because uh, of the with taxes. The, with the tax or, laws, yeah, yeah. Until that changes, I forget what that that bill is that they're trying to pass. I'm reluctant to buy a lot of these companies. You don't have to buy a cannabis company. Also, I have no idea what brands are good because they haven't been around long enough. I have no idea why a company would why any sort of store is going to be better than any other store, or why any sort of producer is going to be better. It. Yes, there could a Coca Cola could develop, or a what a Budweiser could develop, a Corona could develop, but we don't. Could you identify Coke, like? Could you identify why Budweiser, like a Budweiser, prospectively? I think you'd have, like, you can wait ten years, the brand will establish itself, and then there'll be still plenty of room to run. That's kind of how I see it. The, however, uh, however, I could be giving up, you know, potential ten bagger. You know, you know what I mean. Like, I'm comfortable uh, with that. Yeah. The speaking of great brands, Monster. Um. So last year, wait, wait for the wait for the monster. Yeah. Last year they acquired Canarchy, which is one of the bigger craft brewers in mm-hmm. in the U.S. I think it was a 330 million dollar deal. They were like the sixth largest craft brewer in the U.S. Um. Couple what do they of, make? A couple of craft beers that I... Dale's. Um, uh, maybe not West Coast? Yeah, there's some... Not like the most recognizable brands in the world, but the they they use that acquisition. I'm not sure exactly how this worked. I, I think you just can acquire the licenses, apparently. They use the acquisition, maybe it's for the alcoholic distribution points, to leverage into a new alcoholic monster beverage called the Beast Unleashed with 6% alcohol content. Do you think the monster brand could work in alcohol? Yeah. They spawn. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Really? Four Locos worked. And I mean, Four Locos wasn't anything else before though. 
it's basically I don't know anyone that successfully made that pivot over. Can't think of anyone. Oh, oh, you think it? Yeah. Okay. From like a normal drink to the alcohol. The alcohol. Yeah, I guess that is maybe riskier than I'm thinking. Uh, I don't Can you know. think the, of anyone? Uh, I mean, Coca-Cola tried, and they, I think discontinued. I don't know the CPG space that well, so I might be missing something. It's, hmm. I still think it could work just in a, like, just looking at Monster specifically. They're sort of clientele. <laughs> they could definitely work. Yeah, it. Uh, I like the name too, Beast Unleashed. That could work. Yeah, sounds like a football thing. Um, all right. Anything else? Oh no, that was the conservative dating gaming thing. Mario movies. Gaming. Mario movie trailers coming out today. As we're recording this, yes, ten minutes from now, we're going to be hearing Chris Pratt, Seattle legend, as the little plumber. Hopefully, Princess <laughs> Peach. As uh, that poster looked good in the context of getting kids to go to the movie fingers crossed i'll i'll be in the theaters i might look a little a bag, old as a bag holder as a nintendo yes. bag holder yeah uh my right. diligence yeah let's see anything else anything else just a lot of a lot of jokes out there there's a lot of macro stuff a lot of macro stuff i don't care about all right, you got to pick three companies that you think will be bankrupt within 12 months. Oh, and they can't be... Okay, and they can't be like, whatever, just a scammy company. they got to be something that other people may have a long thesis on. Well, let's just go with companies that I've talked about, or we've talked about already on the show. Carvana, Peloton, and let me go Pagaya Technologies. I think those three. I think Pagaya is unfair. Give me one I know more about. <laughs> Pagaya? Uh, let me go on my short list on Robin Hood that I made that I hopefully never use because I'm so bad. And by short list, you mean list of potential companies you would short? Yeah. Yes. All right. All right. Credit Suisse, apparently. It's funny how oh, everyone, like, the world was collapsing this weekend, apparently. No one really seemed to care. That's Bunch of crap. Is- that stuff until it gets announced. That stuff is. If you yeah. learn that the financial system is collapsing via some random Twitter account, it probably isn't. Valid. <laughs> I know. I know. All right. I got a lot here. Uh, Riot Blockchain. That is probably doesn't count. App Harvest. I'm going to name some until you tell me it counts. ThreadUp. Oh, App Harvest. They're gone. Oh, yeah. I mean, well capitalized, though, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they were. <laughs> Beyond me. Beyond me. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah. They got, got death they can't pay. What about thread up? This is that's a shit co. Yeah, it is. Royal it's Caribbean. Poshmark. Royal Caribbean. Cruise lines. A lot of debt. Although for some reason banks continually give them debt. So I don't know. I wouldn't bet on that ending in the next twelve months. Nicola, probably not, even though it's Bullshit. Oatly, probably not, even though it is a shit co. Yeah, I guess that's all on my list. Plug power. That's a classic. Coinbase, thoughts? Coinbase, I would not be surprised either, although I wouldn't bet on it. I now, that I would, would not, be that would be, be an interesting failure. Yeah. Because aren't there 
uh, customers considered could, could they could be used as collateral? That was in a financial document, yes. So we don't know whether they would choose to or it's systemic. Yeah, we need the ma- we need we need all your magic beans. To, Too big to fail. Yeah, we need your magic beans so we can re uh, bolster our magic bean pile. What do you think of uh, Kim Kardashian getting fined one point two million for shilling some crypto on her Instagram story? I mean, it makes sense that she got fined, but I don't see why they're going after her specifically. There's so many bigger whales that are obvious. Go after Chamath. Go after. There's so so many others. Like this is not going to get the public on your side. She's so popular. It made zero sense to me. Now, plus she said not financial advice. Yeah, exactly. Did she have it in the bio? I thought she was protected. (laughs) Did she have it in the bio? Um, Yeah. Look, did it make sense to find her because it was a dumb, like, uh, shitty thing to do? Yes. But in the full context, pretty dumb, right? Like, there's so many other whales to go after. Yeah. She's not even, she's not even in that, the world. Like, yeah. yeah. All right. We do have one question. Do you find yourself looking at more international companies lately? I'm going to say this is our last question. No. No. Right. No. I mean, the U.S. was so, I feel like with valuations coming down in the U.S., I like the U.S. market better just because of the laws and stuff. I find myself looking more U.S. now just because the valuations have been more attractive, but we're not opposed to looking internationally. Although generally internationally, I want a giant discount just because the markets as a someone that's not living in those markets. I want this. If there's like a same exact company in Asia versus the United States, I want an extreme valuation discount. That's really the only reason I'd be interested. Yeah, I agree. All right. That's uh that's time. It's one o'clock. It's one o'clock. All right, that's gonna do it. Use code money. Get a hundred dollars off your annual subscription at seven investing, and the link will be in the show notes. Thank you all for listening. Remember, we are not financial advisors. Anything we say on the show is not formal advice or recommendation. We are general partners at Arch Capital and clients may hold securities discussed in this podcast. Thanks again, everyone. Uh join us live on YouTube, 12 p.m. Pacific. Uh, not very many people join, although we get a lot of good listeners on the podcast. But if you want to ask us questions, I can guarantee you we will answer them uh, because we don't get that many. All right. Thank you all. We'll see you next time. 